Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Highway Community Podcast. My name is David, and I'm so glad that you're joining us today, uh, wherever it is that you happen to be tuning in from. Uh, our sincere hope is that you experience God's deep love for you, and that you find yourself refreshed, encouraged, and maybe even a little challenged by our time together today. If there are ways that we can be walking with you in this season, uh, we'd love to know. You can head over to highway.org and click Get Connected in the top right corner of the screen, and one of our pastors will follow up with you shortly. We're in our second week of a series called Before What's Next, where we're looking at themes from the book of Deuteronomy and sitting with how this moment from the scriptures can inform how we navigate this moment in time. And the book of Deuteronomy is Moses speaking into a transition moment for the nation of Israel. You know, they're about to leave behind their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness and step into the home, the land, the place that God had promised them. But before they stepped into that future that they must have so eagerly anticipated, Moses has them stop just on the other side of the Jordan River. And he speaks into that moment and what we have recorded here in the book of Deuteronomy. And, you know, to this group of people that were leaving behind a time that was really uncomfortable, a time where everything was up in the air, a time when they were forced to reckon with the reality that there was a lot that they couldn't control, you know, even their ability to provide their own food and water, this people that must have been so ready to leave the wilderness behind and step into a more preferable future, you know, a, a future that I'm sure seemed infinitely more stable, you know, where they could put down roots, where life might actually feel normal normal again, where they might finally get some rest, you know, to this group of people as they're on the edge of transitioning from one season to another, Moses has them stop and he tells them the story of where they've been, you know, what they've just come through. And then he reminds them who they are as God's covenant people. And he tells them what they will need for where God is leading them. And you see, there's things from that wilderness season the way that God met them in it, but God taught them through it, how God refined them because of it that are supposed to come with them into what's next. Even though they'll leave the wilderness behind, there are important things from that time that would be such a shame to leave behind as well. And last week we talked about this idea that to not bring the gift of the wilderness with us into what's next to not bring those gifts with us is to stay stuck in the wilderness forever. And so as we find ourselves also on the edge of transitioning from one season to another, and as the world begins to open back up around us, and before what's next, we want to really look and consider what Moses says here, you know, what the book of Deuteronomy contains, and to see how this moment in the scriptures can help guide us how we can hold on to and bring all of the good that happened in the midst of all of the hard of this last year, how we can bring the gifts of the wilderness with us as we step into the days, weeks, months, and years ahead. And last week, we talked about how important it is to stop, look, and listen. To follow the example that we see laid out here in the first couple chapters of Deuteronomy, you know, to not just cross the river, so to speak, and get to the business of living, uh, but to stop first and look back objectively on what we've just come through. Like, I don't know about you, uh, but I didn't do this last year perfectly. Going through hard seasons can help us see things about ourselves more clearly sometimes. 
And when we stop and look back objectively at those things, God meets us there. And in God's grace and mercy and kindness, God walks us towards wholeness and restoration. Our past doesn't have to define our future. Last week, we talked about how important it is to stop, to look back objectively on what we've just come through, and to listen for what God is saying to us about it. And this week, I want to talk about choices. Because what's the point of reflection if we never put it into practice? And as we talk about intentional choices today, uh, that we want to make about our future, you know, to not leave the gifts of the wilderness behind here, here's what I want us to hold on to. What if these choices aren't just a path, you know, towards learning or growth or how to be better versions of ourselves? Uh, But these choices can actually lead us to life. As we get started this morning, would you pray with me? God, I pray right now through this uh, time together, God, that you would be opening our eyes, our ears, our hearts to what you have to say to us. God, would you help us clearly see your faithfulness to us, even in moments that are hard. God, would that cultivate in us such a deep love for you that it leads us to want to actually orient our lives towards you care about. God, would you help us be those kind of people? Would you help us be that kind of church? And we pray these things in and for your name. Amen. Like we talked about last week, the book of Deuteronomy starts with Moses retelling the story of the last 40 years. And he zooms in on the last time the Israelites were just across the border from this place. You know, when they sent the 12 spies into the promised land and they came back, got everyone freaked out about how strong the people who lived there were. And in that moment... Israel made the choice to not go, to not step into the land that God had promised them, (laughs) to go back to Egypt and slavery there, or just die in the desert. And when we look at that moment, it it was really a matter of trust. They lost sight of God's presence with them and, and just really faithful care and provision for them. And so they lost trust that God would continue to be faithful to them, would continue to provide for them and make a way for them as he led them into their promised home. And so they chose to break away from following where God was leading them. Look, and I'm sure broke God's heart in the process. Certainly created very real and right anger on God's behalf. And as a consequence, had to spend 40 years wandering and enough time for that whole generation to die off before they got to try again. How does Moses finish the story? And what do we learn about who God is through it? Moses continues from there. And what we see and what the Israelites heard in that moment is how in spite of their failure, in spite of how they turned away from God, even though God was so faithful to care for them and provide for them, in spite of their choices to turn away, God never left. Now, were there consequences and accountability? Yes. Did God ever leave them or forsake them? No. 
God remains faithful to his people and to his promises. And so in spite of this moment in their story you know, and all the ones that led up to it, you know, golden calf and all, after all of it, we get verses like Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 7. The Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He has watched over your journey through this vast wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you and you have not lacked anything. What a picture of what God is like. In chapters 2 and 3, Moses continues the story, you know, all the places the Israelites went, uh, and two important battles that God helped the Israelites win uh, against two powerful kings who stood against them, and how God delivered them and brought them back to this moment that they're in now. See, it's after taking an objective look back that over and over and over again recounts God's faithfulness to the Israelites in spite of their repeated failures. It's after this story that Moses changes gears and reminds the Israelites what it means to be God's people by retelling the covenant law, you know, what it meant to live in faithful covenant relationship with God. And I, th I think this is so important for us to keep in mind. That Moses lays out the covenant law again after reminding the Israelites that God had continued living into it, had continued to be faithful even when they hadn't. And because living in covenant relationship with God did not initiate God's covenant faithfulness to them. It was a response to it. God made the first move. Uh, living according to the covenant was a response to the love and faithfulness and rescue and care and provision that God had shown. And look, here's how that connects for us in this moment. As we think about these choices, you know, how we will be intentional to bring the gifts of the wilderness with us into what's next. It's important to keep in mind that we are not invoking God's faithfulness by doing so but rather by making choices, you know, being purposeful and intentional to continue to live into what God has been doing in our lives over the last year, you know, how God has been shaping us and refining us, teaching us what it means to be his people through this wilderness season. We are responding to the love and faithfulness that God has shown us. Because uh, look, if God's love and faithfulness were dependent on us, the story of God and humanity would have been over a long time ago. But praise God, it's still unfolding. And so we make choices to orient our lives around what God is doing and who God has called us to be as a response to his love and to his faithfulness. And there's so many opportunities to consider what that looks like right now. After Moses tells Israel the story of God's faithfulness and his constant presence, even after they got it wrong, Moses essentially spends the rest of the book retelling the covenant law and making plea after plea after impassioned plea for the people to be faithful, faithful to it. To take that objective look back and not make the same mistakes again, to choose a different future. Like after we stop, look, and listen, you know, after we take an objective look back at this last year, 
What are we going to do with what we find? What choices are we going to make about the future because of it? We're going to look at a passage from Deuteronomy chapter 30 today, where Moses frames a choice that will define the future for this group of people. The choice to not just be better versions of themselves, the choice to not just be obedient or dutiful, but to choose life. And it's a choice that Moses will say is simple, but that doesn't mean that it's easy. Our kids love the game of shoots and ladders right now. Uh, It's very stressful to try to moderate as a parent because it has to be so precise, uh, but they love playing it. With each turn, with each spin of the wheel, they either move closer to where they're trying to go, you know, sometimes exponentially when they hit a ladder, or if they hit a chute, they wind up going backwards. Each spin brings them closer or moves them further away from where they want to be. And in the ancient Jewish tradition, there was a similar connection between life and faithfulness. God was seen as the source of all life, of all blessing. And so each choice a person made moved them either towards that source of life and blessing or moved them further away from it. And so living faithfully to the covenant wasn't just about obedience. It was about moving towards life. And what a great reminder for us that to orient our lives around what God cares about, you know, to be intentional and make choices to pursue those things isn't just, you know, an obedience thing. It's about moving towards life. Moses begins this section in chapter 30 after just having revisited the covenant law in its entirety, not a short task, by the way, with these words starting in verse 11. Now, what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It's not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven and get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so you may obey it. Now, if you've read the covenant law in its entirety before, uh, this might feel a little confusing. (laughs) Uh, It's a lot. Uh, The retelling of the covenant law is a long section in Deuteronomy, chapters 12 all the way through 26. And if I was an Israelite, I'd be like, "Uh, uh, how do we break that down, Moses? You know, that's a lot of stuff to try to remember all at the same time. And and you're going to say it's not too difficult. It's not beyond our reach. Come now, Moses. What are you getting at? And this is where I think the idea of the Israelites living this way as a response, you know, a response to God's faithful love and provision and care for them is really important. If we zoom out on the book of Deuteronomy, you know, if we read the whole thing together, you know, see it as a unified document speaking into this moment in Israel's history, uh, then we start to see a pattern, a theme emerge. Over and over and over again, Moses says, worship the Lord 
alone. Don't worship other gods. Worship the Lord alone. Worship the Lord alone. Worship the Lord alone. Here's what I want us to consider today. I think what Moses is getting at, why this 14 chapters of instructions is not too difficult, actually, is is not beyond their reach, is because for Moses, living faithfully according to the covenant really is a question about what you love. Worship the Lord alone. Look, and that that makes a whole lot of sense because what we love is what we're willing to sacrifice for. It's what we keep in the forefront of our minds, what we, in a very real way, orient our lives around. It makes a whole lot of sense because what we love drives our choices and our actions. See, for Moses, the key to living faithfully according to what God had set out for the Israelites, like it wasn't just about obedience. It wasn't just, you know, grit or sheer determination. It was a question about what they loved. A key portion of scripture from Deuteronomy is found in chapter 6. It was so important, in fact, that it became a daily prayer for the Israelites called the Shema, which means hear and respond. You may have heard it before. It goes like this, Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And what we love drives our choices and our actions. It's what we orient our lives around. And in this moment of transition from one season to the next, you know, as Moses is charging the nation of Israel to put that objective look back at what they've just come through into practice, you know, to live faithfully, to move towards life. He says, love the Lord your God with your whole self, with all that you are, with all your thoughts, with all your words, with all your actions, with all your stuff, with all your opportunities. Love the Lord your God with your whole self. And like, I, I wonder if when that happens, the rest just kind of works itself out. If that's why what Moses is telling them to do is not too difficult or beyond their reach. If they can get this one thing right, then it'll ripple out, you know, impact everything else. And those choices to live in faithfulness to the covenant won't be, you know, duty or an obligation, but a response. Those choices driven by love. I wonder if this is the key to the whole thing. About 1,500 years later, an expert in the Jewish law, you know, someone who had devoted their entire life to studying what Moses laid out in Deuteronomy, what it meant to live faithfully according to what God had set out for the Israelites, an expert in the Jewish law asked Jesus what the greatest commandment in the law was. Do you remember what he said? Matthew 22, starting in verse 37, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. 
and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. All the law. All of the gigantic list Moses had just given the Israelites of stuff to do and stuff not to do. You know, what fills most of the book of Deuteronomy itself, all of the law hangs on these two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. What we love drives our choices and our actions. I think this is why Moses says in Deuteronomy 30, starting in verse 11, Now what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It's simple and it's clear. But simple and easy are not the same thing. At at its core, the human heart, our hearts are broken. We love a lot of things we shouldn't. And each choice we make moves us closer to the life and blessing found in deep connection with God. Like that hope, that joy, that peace that endure, and, and that love that overflows. Each choice we make moves us closer to the life and blessing found in deep connection with God or moves us further away. And Moses frames this choice as he continues in verse 15. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away, and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you to this day that you will be certainly destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and to possess. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life. And he will give you many years in the land he swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Before what's next, after we stop, after we take an objective look back at what we've just come through, after we listen for what God is saying to us about it, what are we going to do with what we find? What choices about what's next is that going to lead us to make? We need to ask ourselves in this moment of transition, from one season to the next, how are we going to choose life? 
And how has this last year helped us see what that looks like a little bit more clearly? I love what Moses says here in verse 20, that choosing life looks a lot like love. Love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. As you take that objective look back over this last year, what do you see? How did God meet you with love? How did God sustain you, provide for you, care for you? How did God call out to you, speak to you, help you see things about yourself maybe that you didn't know were there? What has this last year shown us about what moves us closer or moves us further away from the life that God has for us? As we exit this season, and it's felt a whole lot like wilderness, what comes and what stays behind? What are the gifts from this season we've been in that we need to choose to bring with us into what's next? And what are the things that we've learned about how we've been living our lives? You know, maybe that don't fit anymore that actually move us further away from the life God has called and created us to live? What do we need to choose to bring with us? And what do we need to choose to leave behind? And I also wonder what it could look like to use this same grid as we start to add things back to our lives, you know, our daily schedules and our routine. Before just saying yes or going back to how things were, to take a minute and stop and evaluate, you know, really ask, does this thing, does this commitment, does this schedule move me closer to or further away from where I feel like God's leading me or where we feel like God's leading us? It'll probably mean saying no to things that have been a yes before. There, there's a very real cost element to this stuff. But when those choices are driven by love... They still have to be purposeful, but they don't feel quite as hard. And Jesus talked about this a lot, particularly in some parables found in Matthew chapter 13. And we've created some really intentional questions, as well as a week's worth of prompts to guide you through what it could look like to choose life in this coming season. You can find that in the remote worship guide email that went out this morning. If that didn't come to you, head over to highway.org and click Get Connected to let us know. And we'll get that to you shortly. I can't encourage you enough to take some time and work through these. It's something that in a very real way we can all be doing together. Before what's next, let's stop, look, and listen. And let's be purposeful to choose life to respond in love to the God who so faithfully walked with us through this time. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your presence with us. God, would you give us wisdom to know what moves us closer to you and what moves us further away? Would you help us see clearly the decisions, the areas in our lives 
that you'd like for us to evaluate and be purposeful to lean into, to make choices about before we enter into what's next for us. We love you. We thank you that you loved us first. We pray these things in and for your name. Amen. Amen.